Hello there, folks. Hey, guys. So, we're back with another episode. This week, we are doing 2007's Shooter with uh, Mark Wahlberg and uh, Danny Glover. Kate Mara. And Kate Mara's boobs. Yep. Um, Michael Pena. Ned Beatty. Ned Be- yeah, Ned, Mr. Network himself. Yeah. There's a couple actors in this movie. I think I feel like a bunch of actors who were like in Ally McBeal type shows mm-hmm. uh, in the FBI. Um, Rona Mitra is the FBI's receptionist. We'll get into that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so let's uh, let's just give some background on this movie for anyone who hasn't seen it, which is hopefully most of you because it's not <laughs> not good. This movie follows uh, Mark Wahlberg's character, whose name is Bob Lee Swagger, and he's a sniper who gets set up for uh, an attempt on the president's life, and he has to clear his name and uh, take down the, the conspiracy that set him up. Yeah, and this movie sort of tonally, I think they're trying to go for like the Bourne movies meets and sort of the 70s Alan J. Pakula conspiracy thrillers yeah movies like the parallax view or all the president's men yeah three days of the condor um but it's that like mashed up with a sort of rambo sensibility yes and it, I, it doesn't i would say it doesn't quite work it doesn't work at all yes that would be perhaps a better way <laughs> of putting it it's also just weird because mark Wahlberg's character is like the hero but you can tell that by within a few years, his character would become like a, a tea party guy. And quite frankly, if this movie was made today, his character would be like a QAnon Pizzagate guy. Well, he's introduced reading the 9-11 Commission report and muttering to himself about the lies the government is telling us, which strongly suggests he's like a truther. Yeah. Well, he lives in a cabin in the woods. And he just walks around with a rifle and then, yeah, reads the 9-11 Commission report and, like, drinks Bud. And he, like, goes shooting uh, in the woods with his dog, who seems completely unperturbed by the gunshots that are happening all the time. Yeah, and he has, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commando, just a shed of guns. And uh, my favorite part about him was his name, because uh, Bob Lee isn't a first and a middle name. It's, like, Mary-Kate or something. <laughs> like, people refer to him as Bob Lee, almost like in one word, Bob Lee, which you never get used to when anyone says it. No, it's very jarring. And yeah. swagger. I mean, what, like... So I, I feel like in the first draft he was called like, Dick Guns, and they were like, "That's a little too <laughs> obvious." Like, what, can we change it up? Yeah, apparently uh, this movie is based on a book, and the book is part of a series of Bobbly Swagger adventures. So you know, you can go read those if you're a moron. <laughs> well, also, like he's supposed to be a sniper, and as far as I understand it, sort of snipers, you know, they hide somewhere and then shoot you with a scope. But he's like. Doing like jujitsu and he can do first aid and he's like good at like punching like fisticuffs. Yeah, he's an unstoppable action man, basically. Yeah. yeah. I mean the thing about like movies about snipers is that it's sort of a tough sell because that's like the most cowardly kind of warrior. Is a guy who just like sits in a bush and shoots unsuspecting people. Um, I think the guys that fly drone, that might be a little Yeah, that might be even more cowardly. the only thing even worse. Like that's why American sniper was like so hard to take seriously because they're like this man's an american hero and the whole movie is just him sitting on a roof like shooting people who don't know they're about to be shot 
Well, that movie is as close to we've ever come as the movie within a movie from Inglorious Bastards. That's exactly real, what it was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And in Inglorious Bastards, that like fake movie is meant to be like horrible because like, why would you want to see this? I think it's literally called German Sniper or like something, something like that. Yeah. So yeah, he's he's a sniper, but they also have to give him some some more up close and personal action. This movie came out, uh, I guess, shortly after Mark Wahlberg did The Departed, which he was great in. And I think that was when every, that was like when his stock was the highest and people thought that like he was maybe going to be a, a really great actor. I guess he had done Boogie Nights earlier in his career, but this really uh, brought things back down to earth, I would say. Yeah, he's, um, like he, I don't know, his, his one-liner delivery is not very good. I don't know, like he doesn't really like seem to care very much about the fact that there's this gigantic conspiracy he's just kind of like they shot my dog like i'm i'm mad i gotta go find my ex spotter's wife and have sex with her for some reason yeah the uh, the romance subplot uh, is not very convincing certainly like this i think was maybe the first movie for mark Wahlberg in his like sort of like military hero complex that he's like heavily developed yes um because yeah he did soul survivor he had done three kings but that wasn't really like a, a glorification of that sort of thing he, did, he, he, he just did mile 22 where he played like a special ops guy um He's he's been like a, like a valiant military guy in a whole bunch of movies over the last decade. The Navy SEAL one where they roll down a hill for two hours. That was Soul Survivor. Oh, sorry, yeah, okay. yeah. And like he clearly like seeks these projects out. Like there was the time that he claimed that he would have stopped nine eleven if he had been on on one of these on one of the planes. <laughs> <laughs> he he obviously has a real hero complex. And then he was in that uh, Deepwater Horizon, and I feel like oil workers are like basically considered a kind of troop. So yeah, yeah. similar, like cut from the same cloth. It's funny because have you ever been to the Wahlburgers restaurant? No, I can't. I can't find it. Uh, I've only been to one in an airport. But the thing that I remember most was that there were like big uh, flat screen TVs everywhere, and they were playing this montage of clips from Mark Wahlberg movies. But they were always of him being a hero. And they were all set to music. There was no dialogue. <laughs> it was just like the soaring, anthemic score alongside this clip show of him, you know, fireman carrying people out of burning buildings or running away from an explosion. It was all super dramatic, like this man is an American hero kind of footage. So he really wants to put that out into the world, that he's that guy. Yeah. Well, so I think he kind of was in a lot of schlock in the 90s, like The Big Hit, which is one of the most repulsive movies I've ever seen. It's like if a kid that picks the wings off flies tried to write a Tarantino movie. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, he did Boogie Nights and Three Kings and kind of, I think, was taken seriously as a dramatic actor for a bit. I think he did, um, I think, I Heart Huckabees as well. And then Yeah, he was good in that, yeah. too. And then he just sort of, I, uh, post The Departed, yeah, reverted to these, like, Blue Lives Matter movies. And, like, Transformers movies and things like that. Yeah, and seems to be enjoying just being in these goofy sort of... I mean, like, Patriotic fair enough. Movies. It's like, like, Jason Statham got asked once why he didn't take more different kinds of movies, and he was like, because this is really fun. Yeah. But I would say that the difference is Jason Statham's movies don't seem to have much of an agenda, no. whereas these Mark Wahlberg movies always seem to portray him as the ultimate male ideal of, of patriotism and yeah. honor. And this is a guy who, like, did a hate crime. Yes. 
<laughs> yeah, he uh, he blinded a Vietnamese man uh, for fun when he was a teenager. He had a very bizarre career trajectory, and then like got fit in juvie and became like an underwear model, and then a novelty rapper, and then an actor. Arguably, he owes everything to that hate crime. He is like the. Cl- he might never have gotten buff if he hadn't yeah. gone to juvie. He is the closest to like a modern picaresque character. <laughs> like he, if you were gonna make the movie Barry Lyndon today, it would be like about a guy like Mark Wahlberg, except like he actually would stop nine eleven. But I mean, the thing is, like, you're talking about Statham. I don't know if that Statham has range, where like Mark Wahlberg has been in enough good movies. Statham that it... has range that, like, I don't think he's ever put in a performance like the I Heart Huckabees or Departed performances. But he's really good in comedies. Yeah, I guess um, that's true. He could be doing other stuff anyway. But if he, yeah, Mark Wahlberg is like the modern day John Wayne. Like when he made that the dreadful The Green Berets. Like I could absolutely see Mark Wahlberg trying to yeah, get a movie like that like, made. Really jingoistic. Another thing that I think is hilarious is that Mark Wahlberg asked the state of Massachusetts to remove that beating from his record <laughs> because and his, his reason was that he felt that he had done enough for the community since then that his record should be expunged. <laughs> Which, for one, like, isn't how the law works at all. But also, what has he done for the community? I think he really believes that the things he does in movies are like have value in the real world. Yeah, I think he's like a guy who has. It would seem has gotten a little lost in the characters he plays. Yeah, I think he believes he has saved the world twenty times by now. But I and mean, that we all owe him a debt of gratitude. I guess in his, I don't want to say defense, but like you know, it's been twenty five years and he hasn't been convicted of any war crimes, so. That's true. So, you know. I mean, other than this movie. Apparently, he's a huge stoner. Which is, really? Kind of cool. Yeah, I knew people who uh, have worked on things with him here in Toronto, and he apparently has, uh, like, this one dealer here that he just loves. And the huh. guy is basically an honorary crew member on all of his movies, <laughs> and he just comes and goes as he pleases and drops off, like, duffel bags full of weed. I heard about this, like, 10, 15 years ago, so maybe he's not doing that as much anymore now that he's a little older but he's too angry to be a stoner apparently he's a big time big time stoner yeah that's that's fine i don't know that would be great if he did makes like a patriotic like weed movie yeah that would not be bad yeah i could get into that danny glover's fine as the villain although he appears to be wearing braces and has like a weird lisp throughout the movie i found that somewhat distracting yeah he he does a good rasp he's Mm -hmm. always talking like this you know which is sinister i guess it's a night you don't usually see him as the villain so that's like a fun fun yeah he hasn't done that much Always good to see him. And then Ned Beatty is basically playing like a Dick Cheney type character. Yeah. Like he, he's always going hunting and fishing and he's... He's shooting quail in one yeah, scene. Yeah, he, he's literally shooting quail in one scene. Um, he's like, his character in Network uh, went into politics and, and became a Dick Cheney type. And that's, that's like a, another weird thing about this movie is the politics of it. Because the villains are clearly modeled after like... Bush era goons like Dick Cheney and like the Enron type people and, and Blackwater. Yeah, they're a band of like shady industrialists that uh, do these like atrocities so they can get oil. Yeah, with, and that's all very clearly sort of like anti-Bush. But Mark Wahlberg's character is like a total redneck gun nut at the same time. I mean, that's the problem, right? Is it's a critique of sort of the military industrial complex energy, that whole yeah. government. But then like from uh, basically a libertarian point of view, and it's like, those guys are all Nazis now, though. Like yeah. they're all Trump chuds. Like I, the idea that these people would be against this conspiracy 
which is, you know, mercenary goons murdering people in Ethiopia. It's like, no, they don't give a fuck about that. The thesis of the movie is that there's evil in the world, and the only way to stop it is to buy a lot of guns yeah. and just shoot everyone. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> it's it sort of raises a lot of questions, and then he's un- utterly unable to really address them in a way that's... Like, it wants to be thought-provoking, but then Mark Wahlberg just shoots all the bad people, and it's like, you don't think like a dozen other guys are going to step in and replace these guys? Like, and he's also wearing like a trucker cap the whole time. Yeah, he's and he's a ponytail. Well, I guess let's get into this conspiracy, if that's so. So basically, you know, at the beginning, Danny Glover approaches Mark Wahlberg and says, "We have information that there will be an attempt on the president's life, and." a sniper and we you're the best sniper so we want you to sort of game out where this might happen and how it might happen so we can like stop him he does this and of course it's a setup to frame him which is already preposterous yeah well and so (laughs) what happens is this archbishop who's i think clearly model on desmond tutu um is shot and it looks like at first you think oh they were trying to kill a president and missed and then it turns out the archbishop was going to give a speech denouncing the massacre of these villagers who didn't want to move so an oil pipeline could be put in and we Um, don't find this out until like an hour and a half into the movie and i'm sorry but just the idea that human rights abuses by corporations in the global south need to be covered up is ludicrous like right now in the civil courts in ontario there is a case where the subsidiary of a canadian mining company massacred some indigenous guatemalan villagers and it, it's like open it's like it, this happened and it's just the villagers are now like suing them for damages and it's like okay then they'll, they'll have to pay some money like the idea that you would fake assassinating the president to cover like this kind of abuse up is preposterous because you read about it three times a week and like at worst the worst yeah. thing that outcome for the perpetrators is they get sued yeah, they don't need conspiracies for this yeah. kind of thing the world already uh is completely uncaring unfortunately yeah and it's just like i just I remember seeing this in theaters years ago, being like, okay, sure. And then now that I'm a bit older, I'm like, wait a minute, why on earth would they go to such lengths to cover this up? It's a really long way to go for something that wasn't even a problem for them to begin with. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I mean, the first half of the movie, when when it's um, Mark Wahlberg being set up and then trying to, you know, he gets shot by the cop that's in on the conspiracy it's and sort trying of, to escape. Yeah, it's like a man-on-the-run movie for the first yeah. half, and you're sort of waiting for them to explain why they've set him up the whole time. But the man on the run half is, like, pretty watchable. But then when it tries to get into this conspiracy thriller, it's like, but I don't believe there would ever even be a conspiracy. Yeah, it takes a turn where somewhere around the halfway point, every scene is, like, all this exposition that doesn't add up to anything. Yeah, um, whereas at least, you know, say in the Parallax view, the idea that these this corporation entity is, like, programming, you know, assassins who then are sent to kill politicians that want to... Uh, overthrow the status quo is like kind of shocking, especially in the 1970s in the aftermath of like the Kennedy assassinations and Watergate. But like, yeah, they just try and port this conspiracy. They're like, well, we need a conspiracy, and it just like totally falls flat. Well, I think that this book was written closer to to that time period. Yes, yeah, I think. Um, um, but they tried to sort of transplant the plot to like Bush era politics and policies, which maybe even could have worked if if it made any sense. Yes. But but it's um it doesn't really reward the investment. Um also the other thing too is the villains on this are so on the nose. Like at one point Ned Beatty's like drinking scotch in his like mountain retreat and he goes, Ha ha ha, I'm a senator. The truth is whatever I say it is, and I just kept thinking 
of that scene in Vice where Dick Cheney's turns to the audience and is justifying himself and it's like yeah he doesn't think he's a bad guy whereas in this movie all the villains seem to think that they're evil and just be like yeah we're doing all this stuff just because we're evil which is like not how these people think it's an action movie i don't mind you know flagrantly evil villains but they are pretty cartoonish yeah i mean i was literally expecting danny glover to twirl his mustache Mm-hmm. Even though it's not waxed out. Yeah, it's it's too uh, thin for him to twirl. Really. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, I don't know that this is, like, how to pivot, but uh, Kate Mara's character is, like, really, it's quite, like, you see her nipples through her shirt. <laughs> She's constantly, like, in a state of undress. They show her boobs more than any other part of her in this movie. It's, it's sort of distracting. Um, they're very nice, but... It gets to a point where, like, in every scene, she looks like she is, like, the love interest in a country music video. Yeah. Uh, The whole movie. She has this sort of doe-eyed thing going on, and she's always wearing, like, a low-cut tank top and a push-up bra, and... Like like really long hair in like action sequences and stuff it's she's always just boob city um, she's in like a midriff bearing top at the end and it takes place on top of a mountain in montana in the winter you know she's a good actress um this movie uh didn't it wasn't the most respectful you could say well, well it's like, <laughs> i would be fine with the sort of bimbo eye candy aspect in like a dumber movie but this is a movie that's like trying to be smart and it just it's very distracting yeah that is sort of the the disconnect um yeah this movie yeah it has a lot of the tropes of like a dumb guy action movie it's trying to be a smart action movie yes um, and i don't think it succeeds it does not succeed yeah. at all no uh. <laughs> um, oh, also uh, elias Codius um is danny glover's henchman and yeah this is sort of a conspiracy action thriller and he seems to think he's like one of the joker's henchmen like he's acting as if he is in a completely different film he does really ham it up yeah the rest of the cast. he's supposed to be like a sadistic henchman kind of character um but he's like outright maniacal the yeah. whole time <laughs> like at one point i literally thought he was going to yell you'll never catch me coppers <laughs> Also, KMR kills, like, a surprising amount of people in this movie. And, like, a pretty, like, at point-blank range. Yeah. It's a very violent movie, which you almost don't notice because of how boring it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, a lot of people get killed, uh, like, pretty graphically. Uh, people get burned alive. They get stabbed. They, it's, they get shot in all kinds of different ways. I mean, the movie is called Shooter. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, there's quite a high body count. But it doesn't really grab your attention while it's going no. on. Well, and it's the movie is a really bad case of just, like, the bad guys can't hit the broad side of a barn. Like, after the initial framing bit where Mark Wahlberg gets shot by, like, the schlubbiest policeman in Philadelphia that is, for some reason, in on this conspiracy, it's really one-way traffic after that. Like, the bad guys usually don't even get a shot off. Yeah. And, yeah, even when he is shot, he suffers absolutely no ill effects. Yeah. Like, a minute after he's shot, he throws a guy like through a window like he, he like he's been shot in the shoulder and he is just fine i did like when he's trying to uh escape the scene of the assassination in philadelphia how he his disguise like, he dresses up like a welder in a rap video yeah he uh he puts on like a mechanic suit and a headband and a, but it's like a do-rag yeah and with yeah. welding gog it's bizarre and then later on he has to go back to philadelphia and his idea of, like, looking inconspicuous is wearing, like, a leather 
Philadelphia Eagles bomber and an Eagles hat. Which yeah. maybe isn't conspicuous. I've never been to Philadelphia. Um, There's probably a lot of people wearing yeah. Eagles gear in Philadelphia. They, they like that team a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, he goes to Philadelphia again. Uh, he goes to a lot of places in this movie. He really does. Every scene seems to take place in a different state. He goes to, like, Virginia, Wyoming, uh, Washington, D.C., Tennessee, Kentucky. And it doesn't appear to take him any time at all to get between those places. Yeah. There's never, he's never really shown being in transit, and he just sort of, whoop, like, now I'm here. The movie appears to take place over, like, several weeks, to even months, but it feels like it takes place it, over two days. It feels like it's all happening, like, everything right after another. So it's it's a little jarring. It's sort of like how there's that one Transformers movie where they are in Washington, D.C., and they walk out a door, and they're in Nevada. And the movie's just like, yeah, sure. It feels almost like that. Yeah, it's it's there could have been a little less, like, location jumping. Yeah. Some nice scenery, though. The movie's shot perfectly yeah. well. Yeah. And I think the first half is interesting, and then it kind of just falls apart. Um, but yeah, Antoine Fuqua definitely, like, it keeps you know it's competently directed i, or I don't know if it is because it's way too boring to be like that that, that falls on fault is it the script i think a lot of it's his fault yeah okay, um, sure i mean yeah. he hasn't made a good movie since so yeah i guess he hasn't yeah he did training day that's what what brought him to uh sort of his his highest point which i think one summer i watched that movie like 35 times um and by the 35th <laughs> time, I was like, this isn't actually a good movie. It's just like Denzel Washington, such a good actor that he like propels like pretty mediocre material like forward. Yeah, he does do that. Um, I lo- Yeah, we should do a Denzel Washington movie soon. Yeah, cause... but like if you put like a lesser actor in Training Day, that movie would not like be completely rotten, I think. No. Well, that's the problem with uh, David Ayer, the guy who wrote it. <laughs> Oh, Everybody like gave him all this credit for writing yeah. that movie, and now he like gets to direct all kinds of big movies, and they're all terrible because yeah. that movie being good had nothing to do with him. I mean, I suspect if you got your hands on the script, a lot of Denzel Washington's dialogue, probably, I suspect he may have come up with it. I mean, who knows? But um, uh, yeah, well, uh, the plot makes no so, sense in that movie. But so whatever. Anton Fuqua does Training Day. Everyone loves it, and then he starts making other movies. And, uh, like, he did a terrible King Arthur retelling. Yes, with Clive Owen. With Clive Owen. And they were, like, Roman um, centurions. And then he did this movie. And then um, I think he did Olympus Has Fallen. That was the summer or the spring of the president being kidnapped movies, because there was the other one, too. White House Down White House also Down. came out that yeah. summer. And neither of them were that good. No. Yeah. They're like, what if we made Air Force One, but not on a plane? I was like, who the, who wants to watch this? Air Force One is so fucking good. Like, that's, yeah. That movie rules. Get off my plane. I think I watched that movie 35 times. Hell yeah. I remember when I was a kid, I saw that in theaters, and I had just gotten glasses and forgot to bring the glasses, and I was like heartbroken. <laughs> so then I went and rented it when it came out on VHS. Apparently, originally, for this shooter, they wanted, I think, Harrison Ford, you were saying. Yeah, well, I guess that the uh, the book that it was based on had been probably optioned a long time ago, and they had put it in front of a lot of uh, like leading men over the years. So I think Robert Redford and Harrison Ford were the two who were sort of originally maybe going to do it, and then they both passed. Um, and then eventually it came back around to Mark Wahlberg. Robert Redford is like a hardened marine sniper is ludicrous. Because he had been in Three Days of the Condor. Like, but he's he, like an he, analyst. In that. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's done action-y stuff. 
I guess. He's Robert Redford. He can do whatever he wants. (laughs) (laughs) But he didn't want to do this. Um, And you know what? We can't blame him. No. Yeah. Good choice, Bob. In terms of, like, other ways that this movie is aged, yeah, there's nothing, like, too bad in it. There was one sort of uh, not-so-great crack about, uh, like, Arab terrorists. Oh, yeah. Which, I'm sorry, but when was the last time that, like... Al-Qaeda or ISIS, like, assassinated anyone with sniping. Yeah. That's yeah, not they, their MO. Come on. They uh, they make a joke about 70 virgins or something, which, you know, today you probably wouldn't put in there. Other than that, there's not a lot that's, like, really off sides. No, surprisingly. Um, yeah, like, Kate Mara's character, I mean, she she's extremely objectified uh, by the movie, but nothing, like, horribly disrespectful is is done to her like we, uh, yeah Elias yeah. Cody has appears to beat her for a while when he's captured but this is off screen but like she does shoot him to death so yeah and he's a very bad guy uh the, the movie never engages in any like gleeful misogyny like, no. so, like some of the other movies from this time period do. well I mean it's certainly nothing like the 80s action movies well she lives through the movie which is you know that's, that's an true. 80s action no no yeah she not only does she live through the movie, she shows up in like every single scene towards the end. Uh, even when you're like, "Why is she here?" There's a scene where he's meeting with the attorney general to try and clear his <laughs> name, and she's just hanging out in the corner. And yeah, it, yeah. It doesn't seem like she, you know, had a lot to contribute to that meeting. Yeah, I would say this: like, she's very like nubile and objectified, but is portrayed as competent. It's certainly a step up from yeah, '80s action movies. I do uh, like that this this conspiracy. Uh, it's like you know, ex-military and private contractor oil company guys, and they, like, can't find a... You know, they Mark Wahlberg's character. They, like, for whatever reason, don't want to think they can use him. So they, like, have to get a Serbian guy in a wheelchair to pull the trigger. It's like, that's the best guy you could find? <laughs> there was no one in the States? That guy, he was uh, he was the same guy who played, like, Boris the Blade and Snatch. He always plays these Eastern European villains, and his, like, main thing is that he's in a wheelchair... Which, like, every shady conspiracy, I feel like, needs a guy in a wheelchair. Yeah, the whole conspiracy sort of reeks of the Springfield Republicans yes, in The yeah. Simpsons. My favorite thing about him was that there's a part where Mark Wahlberg goes to see this, like, conspiracy nut. Uh, who we have no idea who he is. He's just a guy who, like, has a lot of conspiracy theories and talks about guns a lot. And he never shows up again in the movie. And the guy mentions that there's a Serbian person in a wheelchair who was involved <laughs> in some other thing and mark Wahlberg has a flashback to seeing a man in a wheelchair and he was like that's the guy like i i once saw an injured person it must be the one I, you're describing I, I, you're almost <laughs> underselling as he just mentions that there was this serbian sniper who like was in a building that was blown up and then and, and then maybe he crawled away or maybe he died and then mark Wahlberg is like oh yeah this guy in a wheelchair because he has no background on the guy being a sniper or even being Serbian. I don't think he's actually met him. He just saw him once. Yeah, and he, he never <laughs> and, spoke, so he like, doesn't know that he has an accent. And he's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know the guy in a wheelchair. There couldn't be more than one guy in a wheelchair. <laughs> I, yeah, so that I enjoyed that. Yeah, there was a very, like, oh, do you know Jeff from Canada moment? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, it's got to be that guy. Um. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Also, when he meets the attorney general and his like way to clear himself is he just like points a gun at the attorney general and pulls the trigger and it doesn't fire and they're like, oh, okay, it couldn't have been you. Well, yeah, he's he's like, I I take out all the firing pins on all my guns, so clearly the gun that was used in the crime wasn't mine. It's like, why didn't he just bring that up at the beginning? Yeah, well, and that uh, if he knew that. 
Um, it would have saved him a lot of trouble. Yeah, I mean, also the idea that like they had the weapon the assassin used and like didn't bother to like look at it at all and like notice, yeah, that it <laughs> didn't couldn't fire. Like it's a very inept conspiracy. Like one, it's like completely unnecessary, and two, it's like, and again, like their whole they're gonna have a local cop kill him, and it's like the schlubbiest policeman yeah. in the world. And but then after he like does his whole like speech with the, the the firing pins and all that, the attorney general is just like, "You've convinced me. You're yeah. free to go." <laughs> he gives him a green light to murder an army colonel and this senator from Montana, and it's like, "This is what planet is this all taking place on?" Yeah, Mark Wahlberg is like, "What? Okay, like, what are we gonna do about the bad guys?" And the attorney general is like, uh, "I don't have the jurisdiction to punish them for these international war crimes." But, wink, wink, you own guns. And then they cut to uh, Mark Wahlberg literally murders the villains in cold blood. Like, there's no shootout. There's no action. They're not even armed. They're They're not armed. He sneaks up on them while they're in a hunting cabin, and he shoots them each in the head, uh, point blank. And, you know, he's... He's a hero for it, according to the movie. It's an extremely unsatisfying ending. <laughs> it's, you don't see that in a lot of movies where the hero just, like, shoots somebody in cold blood. Even even when they're villains, they're supposed to put up some sort of a fight. Yeah. Uh, but this movie's just like, no, like, let's just have him execute these people. This movie is a, it's like this weird mix of sort of naivety and cynicism that this movie has and I don't like it's, it really doesn't gel. If the movie had been uh, like a bleaker sort of more nihilistic movie overall, stuff like that would have been fitting. Yeah. But it really tries to have its cake and eat it too in being like a real like colorful Hollywood slam bang movie. But then every once in a while, it dips into this sort of like nihilistic thing, and it it doesn't pull it off very gracefully at all. No, yeah. So, anything else uh, about this movie? Uh, <laughs> the Coriolis effect. Yeah, he cites that when sniping. Apparently, I didn't know what that was, but now f- I do. Yeah, you have to factor that a toilet will flush the opposite way in Australia when you're trying to shoot someone yeah, with a rifle. It's, uh, it's how the curvature of the Earth impacts things moving across the Earth's surface. Um, so, uh, you know, thank you, Bob Lee Swagger, for for letting us know. Oh, and then at the beginning, too, when he and his spotter um, are in Ethiopia and they're doing some sniping and then they get attacked by a helicopter and um, Mark Wahlberg's like, trying to shoot this helicopter down with his, like, three oh eight Magnum rifle or whatever. Um, and then the helicopter machine guns his spotter. And then only after that does he, like, pick up... Uh, he just brought a second sniper rifle. A much bigger one. Yeah, like a fifty yeah. caliber. And then starts using that. And it's like, well, why didn't you do that in the first place? There's a lot of why didn't you do that in the first place in this movie. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of moments where uh, things are revealed that would have been very useful uh, and avoided a lot of trouble for him if he yes. had just done them then. Uh, there's a pretty fun um, mini montage where he and Michael Pena are like, going to a Walmart and uh, Mark Wahlberg is in dis- like in disguise, but he's just dressed like the guy that sings the Monday night football theme. And they're just like buying pipe bombs and camouflage. And I know I kind of enjoyed that. Yeah. Yeah. That was fine. Michael Pena, I think was the highlight of this movie. He, uh, he's always good, you know, yeah. he, he's never, he's never bad. He's very versatile. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, hats off to him. Big fans. 
sad we didn't get to see his nipples, but uh, that's okay. <laughs> Maybe one day. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like a better movie I can uh, recommend that's like this. I just go see the Parallax View. Whatever you do, don't watch this one. Because like yeah, this movie, yeah, the Parallax View. We watch these movies so that you don't have to. The Parallax View, instead of like an annoying libertarian sniper, the hero is just like a journalist who gets in like fist fights with sheriffs. Yeah. Which yeah. is like a much better sort of silly but serious movie. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's all for me. Okay. <laughs> Bye for now. <laughs>